Mummy White Waffle. All right. Wow. Hello, everybody. Hi there. Hey. We're back with another Copyright Waffle. And I think every time we introduce it, we always get the episode number wrong. Yeah. So it's either episode eight or nine. Or seven. It's quite confusing. Cause I think it's seven. There is a podcast in the bank that we haven't actually edited and put oh, out yeah. there yet as well. Yeah, so absolutely. anyway, it'll all come good eventually. Just yeah. look at the title and tell you the episode. <laughs> yeah. um, this is super exciting though, it isn't it? It is, yeah. One. Or even more exciting than normal. Yes. We're trying a new format. Yes. Not just we have two good. guests we with do. us. And where are we, Chris? We are in Lisbon in Portugal. And why have we come here? We've come here for... Well, we're here for the Creative Commons Summit, but let's talk about that later on. Yes, let's do that. Let's introduce our guests. Absolutely. Okay, yes. so who do we have with us today? Well, we have Andrea Wallace, who's from the University of Exeter, from the Law School, yes? Yes. And we have Doug McCarthy here, from the Europeana Foundation, yeah. is that correct? It is. Yeah. So, you are collectively... The kind of open glam duo. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? That's right. Glamazons. Yeah, yeah. Glamazons. Yeah. Hashtag Glamazons. Glamazons. <laughs> Have you okay. got t-shirts? Not yet. You're, you're, are, you, are you are you envying our we we did discuss this. t-shirts? Yeah. 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 Some, yeah, some motivation to yeah. catch up. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. We we've got a t-shirt store even now. Really? Yeah, yeah. We've taken it to the next level. The t-shirts. So but we can order our t-shirts from you. You could. You could. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you probably want to design your own, though. Well, yeah. 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 So we are, yeah, we're, we're really excited to talk to you about, because this is the first time we've really had people from galleries, libraries, archives, museums in that kind of open space, because mm. that's what glam means, isn't it? Open galleries, libraries, archives and museums. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so we want to kind of chat to you a bit about that. But first of all, what we always like to do is ask people what their copyright history is. So how did they get involved in copyright in the first place. So should we start with you, Andrea? Tell us, how did you come to it? So um, I actually uh, am American, um, Mm -hmm. and I went to law school in the U.S., but before you go to law school in the U.S., you actually have to get an undergraduate degree in anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started in art school, um, and I went to the the Art Institute in Chicago, and then I worked for five years and um, decided I wanted to go back to law school. But I would, didn't want to pigeonhole myself in anything. I was like, I'm not going to do art law. I'm not going to do copyright. I'm just going to see, you know, what kind of, like, attracts me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, here I am now. So <laughs> um, kind of just fell into it naturally. As I was graduating, uh, there was a studentship for um, a PhD at CREATE. Yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. was based, It was copyright and cultural institutions. Yeah. Um, and one of my professors pushed me to apply for it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm applying for jobs anyway. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of been one of those paths that got wow. me here. But very so did you come that. over to Glasgow or Bournemouth? Or? To Glasgow, yeah. To Glasgow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, you, you were studying with Martin Kretzmann, yeah, weren't Martin, you? Yeah, and Chris yeah. Uh, Erickson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that must have been an amazing yeah. experience. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So you got your uh, PhD and you passed mm-hmm. everything. That's yep, done. Relatively, was that the last couple of years, was it? November. November. Yeah, I finished in November. Okay. So. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 And now you're an exeter. Yes. Yeah, I can't get rid of me. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, we're very lucky to have you. Thanks. We are, yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Doug? How did you get into copyright? Yeah, well, I've been in the image licensing and museum field for almost 20 years now, so I feel okay. quite old. Um, and I started out in the early 2000s in a, actually working for small commercial picture libraries, working with historical material, mm-hmm. ephemera, photography, prints, all kinds of things. 
and copyright sort of came into my life then, I guess, because I was in the licensing business and it was something that I had to think about, contributing mm. authors, crediting images, uh, persuading newspapers to actually publish credits next to photographs oh, yeah. sometimes. And that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I guess it was a natural succession from my academic studies, which is art history at the oh, University of St. Okay. Andrews. Oh, and, right. Uh, oh. Also quite a keen photographer, so yeah. essentially my whole life and I guess now career is all about visual culture and images. Mm. And so now working with copyright, um, formerly in a private sort of commercial oh. context, um, then I was in the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich, uh, from 2005 to mm. 2013, and uh, I became sort of the copyright guy there mm. because they d had no dedicated intellectual property or copyright manager, mm. and I sort of morphed and evolved uh, strangely into that role because I was head of the picture library, I was running the photographic studio, and so rights management and digitization sort of fell fairly naturally under my roles. Yeah, uh, and then through uh, some dialogue with the museum that became a formal title and I haven't been able to escape since. <laughs> so, it drew you in, didn't yeah. it? The, the, the glamorous world <laughs> That's of right. right, as we called it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how did you start working together then? Where did, where did you meet? We met in Hamburg, yeah. yeah. In Hamburg? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, naturally. Was this, like, that, I mean, so this was like the Beatles then, you kind of got a gig. Yeah, no, we were there for um, a conference uh, that was at uh, University of Hamburg and also MKG that was on um, Open Glam. Okay. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a really great conference. Yeah, and that was just after I'd started working for, for Europeana. Yeah. Um, I think I'd pretty much just arrived. I'd relocated from London. Uh, my wife and I moved over to The Hague. Yeah. And um, that conference was yeah. where Andrew and I first met and yeah. got to know each other and sort of developed a friendship mm. and a sort of working relationship ever since. Mm. Mm. So can you tell us a bit about what you've been working on then? You've been looking at what other institutions or what institutions are doing uh, to make their collections more open, is that right? Yeah, I think, um, so both of us kind of have like this attraction to the, the user perspective and also the the actual data that's out there on OpenGlam in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, because so what does the data tell us rather than what institutions think is going on? Mm. Um, because there's a there's a lot of inconsistencies there in terms of, oh, this is what we're doing and this is what open means and this sort of thing as opposed to, well, is that what that means? You know, there can be different kind of definitions of what open is and what open access is even within one institution in terms of how they apply that. Um, so we kind of have been floating around some of these issues and talking about it, um, but we got like a text from Simon Tanner that was like, I need a list of institutions that make stuff available CC0. Do you all know these? And we were like, well, we know a lot of open, but I don't know about CC0 specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so we were thinking, okay, well, these people do public or public domain mark and then we have CC by over here and so we just started kind of putting together this list and we were like all right this is now going to be a thing yeah um, but based off of what actual policies were right and then also looking at the open knowledge um, foundation uh, open compliant license which allows for commercial use um, so we started to kind of like take these different ideas and put them together and then generate this list mm. um, yeah that Doug has really been carrying for like mm. the past six months or... I love spreadsheets I cannot <laughs> lie oh, I love a spreadsheet yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Andrea and I 
both felt that there was actually some really high quality open glam mm. literature, so mm. you know, case studies of museums yeah. you know, that had gone open and what happened and how that had worked out. So actually, lots of that was available um, yeah. when we began this survey. However, there was no kind of live resource of an up-to-date picture of policy and practice across mm, the whole centre. Yeah, yeah. mm. And what did exist was mostly in our heads and in other people like right. us in this mm. room and elsewhere, people we know. And it wasn't anywhere that you could click on a link to see and, and share with someone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was, to, you know, it was uh, spread around and we thought, well, what kind of place can we put it in? So we started a simple Google Sheet. And I think uh, Andrew and I and a couple of colleagues quickly put together maybe 30, 35 open glams you know, yeah. that were in our heads. Yeah. But then another rationale, another motive for doing the survey was that the open glam literature and the open glam case studies that were out there were very kind of European and North American focused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that actually I feel is a little bit problematic because... Mm -hmm. This should be a space that is you know, accessible and relatable and democratic to actually any institution, wherever mm. they are in the world. So beginning the survey in a gigantic mapping exercise that it's become was a way of really investigating and um, looking into that to see whether that was the true picture or, or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's such there's some players who have done these really amazing things and set amazing standards and been really useful examples for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but for some smaller and more medium-sized institutions to see that and think, well, that's what I'm working toward can sometimes be a bit uh, just overwhelming and, and kind of make it seem like it's not achievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we wanted to really promote some of the smaller, medium-sized institutions that even were making things available on a collection basis. Yeah. In terms of, you know, these are uh, also very legitimate, valid examples of open glam in terms of developing best practices and making sure that access is extended, even if it's on a collection-by-collection -collection basis, as mm, opposed to really an nice, institutional policy. Yeah. yeah. And it generated a lot of really interesting data. Yeah. So how did you did you put that out like as a, a call and say say to people here's the spreadsheet or how because you you said you had like you started with about thirty on your list mm -hmm. but you've got five hundred is it or uh, something six hundred and three I believe oh, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. as of now here's a yeah. man on top of his spreadsheet yes. yeah. yeah really the whole thing has been done through Twitter I mean, yeah Twitter yeah. has been a fantastic comms um, channel a crowdsourcing tool mm. and we've tried to keep our it's our messaging mm. to be very light mm. and friendly and open and say, hey, you know, we've, we've made this, we've started it, but we need you, please share it. Yeah. Please let us know if there's things right. that are missing or things that are wrong. And, and the response to that, I mean, within the pre-existing, if you like, open glam community has been very positive, as one would hope and expect. Mm. But what's been, one of the things that's been really nice about it is it's gone actually beyond that. Mm. So we've been contacted by culture ministries in Northern Europe or a practitioner who's in in Latin America um, and they're supplying information, they're asking us for more information about yeah. it and it's also I think more generally helped to clarify the meaning of open. Yeah. So yeah. I think perhaps even at the summit that's come up uh, this week so mm -hmm. far that you know, well it's a, a non-commercial creative commons license flavor or no derivatives mm. and in adhering to the open definition that Andrea mentioned, then that actually has enabled us to say, sorry, that isn't open. Mm. For the survey, the open definition is our guideline. This mm. is what we're following. And that clarity, I think, has enabled us to 
remove some of the noise mm. around open. So there's this phenomenon of open washing, isn't there, where you have people saying, this is open, well, right. and trying to yeah. hook on to those principles and ideas, but in reality, you know, that's not really truly open to people in that, in that sense. And that's, I think, why we felt it was important for us to be collecting the data mm. and be kind of like the quality control in terms of we're looking at the policy, we're looking to see what license this is under, and that sort of thing, instead of the type of survey where you invite that information. Yeah. You know, yeah. because um, first, a lot of people probably wouldn't reply. We'd have to we'd spend yeah. a ton of time trying to find out the right people to contact in different institutions. Mm. Um, and in this sense, we've been able to kind of curate what goes on the list mm. um, so that it's actually open compliant mm. yeah mm. Mm. that's really good and has it now so you started with this um, Google sheet and the spreadsheet presumably now you've got something more robust to keep track of it and then it has an overhead presumably to keep it up to date so how's it working now so it's still fairly primitive okay. in that sense um, in that the sheet which I back up every month is sitting on my Google Drive okay. so please don't hack me listeners right. <laughs> <laughs> Doug's password is <laughs> and it is elsewhere offline um, I, I want to reassure everyone but the, in a way the simplicity of that has been the beauty of it because mm. as Andrea said it's not owned by anyone this isn't yeah. a project that has a certain lifespan it's a community led um, crowdsourced and a very open and sharing initiative that is really yes, started and uh, coordinated by both of us but be, we're presenting ourselves I think as positive and sort of neutral arbiters mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, so we're not necessarily criticising institutions that do not no. conform we're just mm-hmm. saying that these are the criteria if you meet them you're in, if you don't I'm sorry, you know, you're not eligible for mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and that also is important because we are careful not to give the impression that inclusion in the survey is any kind of commendation from us. It's like, mm. hey, great, you're on the spreadsheet, you know, well done you. They don't get a little badge mm. they can put on their website. Yeah. Um, n- not yet. Oh, right. Oh, okay. you're thinking about it. <laughs> and actually, we, I think that's also meaningful because and we started, I think, presenting now, and I started writing about this recently on Medium, that there are a lot of different nuances in this picture which are really important for everyone to understand. Mm. A small instance of open access in a huge institution, which maybe has lots of other eligible data which is not open, is something that one should consider in this overall picture. Mm. And then you may have a, at the other end of the spectrum, very small institution, maybe an informal um, organisation that's release all of its data openly at where mm. it can, but only in small volume. Now, which of those two things may be kind of more meaningful openness or higher quality open access practice? Yeah. That's a topic for discussion. Mm. So you don't have that kind of nuance in the list. You, you're kind of saying, do they have openness? But you're saying behind that, people should think critically about what that actually means. Yeah, that's right. And the way that we framed it in the famous uh, spreadsheet Mm -hmm. and this actually was a relatively recent development because what we started with was very rudimentary in terms of the structure of the information in the survey and now it's become a bit more mature Uh, for example there are wikidata elements for every institution where there is one Uh, we link directly to every data source whether it's on the museum's own website or on Europeana Mm. or the German digital library Mm. or if there are github repositories or APIs we link to them so it provides the different access points really yeah. to the data yeah. 
Um, and the overall sort of complexity of the information has reached, I think, quite a rich point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds like yeah. it. And have you got a lot of people that you know are also looking at the site? You get, like, analytics and stuff from who might be looking at the spreadsheet? Yes. And I don't personally track analytics to the sheet. I guess I could. Yeah. I never really thought about that. Um, yeah. But it is funny that I... I guess we log in, you know, fairly regularly, yeah. and you see this like anonymous werewolf, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Google, you know, squid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and uh, here again, you know, yeah. there are quite often a few people floating around there on your spreadsheet, uh, yeah. which is great. That's what we made it for. Yeah, and you've been getting invitations to talk about it, haven't you, about the work? So it's kind of out there, yeah. and people yeah. are really aware, as you say. You've done a good, great job on Twitter yeah. promoting the work, so. Yeah. And you have a Twitter account as well that, that kind of talks about open glam work, is that right? Just our personal accounts. Oh, right, yeah. okay. okay. Um, so the, um, I'm aware as well, Andrew, the research that you did for your, uh, for your doctoral studies, and it was looking at institutions and their policies around copyright and whether they claim mm-hmm. copyright and how it kind of conflicted as well with sort of open, uh, open practices so, I mean, has that gone into this work that you're doing with, with, with looking at the institutions and what they're doing, or is that kind of a bit of a separate issue? Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, it's very much kind of along that path, um, more so because, you know, looking at what the institution does versus what the policy says it does, I think, is what's also been really fun for us. Mm. Um, because often, you know, we will know that this specific data is openly licensed, but there's no reference to that on the actual policy page. Yeah. You know, so there's the, we're, we've been talking about trying to kind of develop different data categories and try to measure that going forward. But, you know, the more institutions that get added, the bigger a task that starts to kind of look like. Um, but one way that we did decide to capture that was in that category that's like all or some content. Yeah. So if it's all content, then that means like as a policy, as an institutional policy, yes. there's no copyright that's claimed in the data that's eligible. Um, and if it's some, then that signals it's specific collections or it's a small kind of sample that's, yeah. you know, dipping the toe in the water, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. often from a research perspective, it is very, very hard to tell what the open access yeah. scope is. Is it all of the eligible data or is it only some of it? If it's some of it, how much of it is it? So the reasons for that, I think, are several. Um, and it's a lack of granularity, really, in the data sometimes, uh, or as Andrew mentions, the inconsistent policy communication to mm. users mm. on, say, the institution's own website and then on third-party platforms where it's also released data, openly yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. So uh, sometimes the way I like to think about the survey is really we're holding up the mirror to policy and practice yeah. in mm. this space. Mm. And we are doing so, hopefully, in a, in a neutral and a fair way. Mm-hmm. And what started to come out now in our talking on, about it on Twitter a lot and presenting it and now writing about it is to share some of those insights mm-hmm. into policy and particularly into practice in a way that connects to other um, mm-hmm. c- colleagues around the world who are in this space. Yeah. Um, for example, um, I often reference the work of uh, Kelly Fitzpatrick in the States who writes and researches on um, d- digital communication of open access. Mm-hmm. Um, so that links very much closely mm-hmm. to uh, how, you know, which logos might you use. Do you use the public domain mark from Creative Commons or 
is it buried somewhere in the terms and conditions in the footer? So mm, I love of, that. The, yes. the weirder the better for me. I'm like, oh, it's like a detective show. I gotta figure it out. In, in the last 18 months, I think we visited, I mean, it must be thousands of museum sites. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy, really. I mean, we've visited... We're stalkers. Digging yeah. around, trying to see what you can find on their sites, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the other challenges, of course, is because it's a global survey, it's frequently not in our native language of, of English. Mm. So yeah. great that Google Chrome, for example, can also trans- oh, yeah. machine translate the page. Still, that has limitations. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Either in the kind of Anglophone or the non-Anglophone space, you so often see pieces of policy information spread across different pages. Mm. So it's... I think there's quite a lot of insights and I think those will be probably become recommendations mm-hmm. as we continue the survey but as we sort of uh, get more advanced in our writing about it to say yeah. here are some takeaways that can be yeah. useful that yeah. will come out of our, of our research yeah. work. Yeah. So you mentioned there um, Kelly Fitzpatrick. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And so it's one thing we do like to ask people as well is who their kind of copyright heroes are. Who are the people that they kind of refer to, that mm-hmm. help them on their way, that, that kind of talk about stuff in, in a way that, 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 that has inspired um, you to kind of do the work you do. So, yeah, is it worth, uh, you know, giving some names, bearing in mind we were having a conversation about Lionel Bentley, I know, yesterday, and he <laughs> typically comes up whenever we ask this question, but have, have both, either of you got other people you'd want to mention? Uh, I'm a big fan of Eleonora Rosati. I believe oh, yes. you has been on the podcast already. She has, yes, um, yes. She's been a yeah, fantastic colleague and contact, uh, particularly when I was working in London in the museum sector. Yeah. And uh, I was part of the museum's intellectual property network. And oh, okay, formerly yeah. Formerly the museum's copyright group. And yeah. It's been great to have someone like that who you know you can reach out to, you know, every now and then just to clarify something, mm. to check in on something. Mm. And I think the way that she communicates in such an open and friendly way, mm. you know, in person, on Twitter, mm. and through, for example, the IP cat, yeah. is, is great because, uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an academic, um, I'm very much a practitioner yeah. around copyright and licensing. I totally rely on expertise of people like all of you and others who we've mentioned. Yeah. What about you, Andrea? Have you got uh, anyone that in this work kind of inspired you? And yeah, I mean, I think there's probably like forty if I had to narrow it down. But no, that's uh, I think that's what's really great about um, the glam sector, though, is that mm. people are like very good about promoting each other and also. I don't know, working together and making Mm. connections and, um, it's a really supportive environment. Mm. Um, so, you know, Simon Tanner has been wonderful. Also Rona Deasley, who's, uh, been one of my mentors, Mm. but then, you know, in kind of the more like glam sector, Marietta Sanderhoff has, um, done a lot of like kind of foundational work in this area. Anybody at the Rijksmuseum, um, in the, in the U S, uh, Anne Young has been advocating for open, um, as part of the Rights and Reproductions handbook that she's written. So, mm. yeah, I could keep going. Mm. Like my yearbook, you know, where I, like, draw hearts around everyone. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's anyone on reflection that you think you'd like to um, add to that list, just let us know and okay. we'll, we'll put it on yeah. the board. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Here's the rest of the 35 or whoever it was. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another, another question that we have um, is about, um, and you must have lots of these, like your favourite copyright nerdy fact. Have you got any, anything like, well, you're at a party, you're going to wow someone, you know, you're going to 
say you work in copyright and they sort of, you know, their face falls, they try to run away, but they can't get away. So how do you kind of draw them in with telling them something that might, you know, engage them with copyright? Normally they just fall asleep halfway through whatever I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) They ask me about copyright. (laughs) My whole family behind my back is like, I still understand what she does <laughs> so so yeah uh I just normally I think my favorite thing that anyone's actually ever asked me is on a plane um and this has happened more than once where someone said oh art and law uh so do you do those drawings in the courtroom and I was like no but I can see how you would make that connection right, so yeah. I guess in terms of nerdy facts I don't really have an answer for no that but you don't do drawing I'm a nerdy of, fact I guess yeah yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's a fact yeah but, <laughs> that's very funny yeah. but you did I mean you did go into um, various institutions and take pictures of their copyright notices oh I do love to do that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have like a... You're just basically a copyright. I'm a stalker. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay with me. I'll admit it. Yeah. But, um, but it's, all, it's like a wealth of information. It's mm. a lot of fun though. Mm. I, do, um, I do enjoy a good face swap in a museum. Do you ever do that with the paintings? Oh, oh yes. Okay, does that work? <laughs> I'll show you when we're finished. So, so you no, take just, a picture of yeah. like Mona Lisa. Yeah, and then well, you, you can't your get face. that close. You got to get close, right? Okay. And you got to get a, a portrait like where it's like facing front on. Yeah. And then you also have to face your, you know, front on, and then it switches the faces, and it's amazing. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, you'll have to show us this. Presumably, there is an entire paper in the copyright implications of that. Well. I mean, challenge. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Excellent. Yeah. So, Doug, have you got any, any copyright nerdy facts? It doesn't have to be a copyright nerdy fact. No, it, it doesn't. Any nerdy fact. Yeah. Um, good one. One of the things that I've come across is that um, you know, this, this topic is just so detailed and complex and meta, and I try to kind of remember that and usually friends or family remind me whenever I attempt to breach this, this, you know, this kind of conversational subject, their faces just drop in a complete yeah. way. Yep. Yeah. And I just remember that. Think about, this is how it is for most like, ordinary people, citizens mm, right. of the world. You know, We are this kind of strange sect who are passionate and you know, into the detail of all of this, <laughs> but it is by far, far from the norm. I think it's healthy to, re- to recall that now and then. Just for a yeah, sanity check, yeah, you know? yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this, being here in, in Lisbon at the Creative Commons Summit must be pretty exciting because mm. it is actually, you're like hearing people talking about stuff that we all want to talk about. There's like competing and, panels and yeah. that never happens at, yeah. at like legal Thanks so do you me. want to tell us a little bit about, you know, you're, you're presenting at the summit, aren't you? Or have, you haven't presented yet? No. No, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you're going to be talking yeah. about the survey? Yeah. 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 Uh, we're working in a couple of sessions um, to, to discuss really how the awareness of the public domain and how we can mm. improve take up of, for example, creative commons or legal tools mm. and really to how, how to bring more people into this conversation as mm. well, because um, I think... We often remark that it's a, you know, it's, it's a really positive and, and passionate group of people who are powering it forward, but really, really, really want to bring in more people. Yeah. Mm, add yeah. their expertise, add their knowledge, enthusiasm, and, and their networks, and to really expand the movement to keep it. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. 
So I think it's time for the copyright news jingle, so we can we can think about what we've learned over the last day or so at the conference here, and and put it in a kind of a topical framework. So let's hope this works. Copyright news. 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 Copyright. There we go. Right, so we'll edit that in properly later on. Um, so, uh, news at the moment, I mean, I guess one thing we, we talk about often is the digital single market directive because it's, you know, it's there, it's been around a while, it's recently been um, kind of approved at the EU level and we were in a, uh, a, a session earlier this morning, I know you were in the same one I was in, Andreas, talking about the kind of the copyright wars, the sort of us and them, uh, how did the kind of copyright user community kind of deal with this sort of huge rights owner, sort of powerful body that want to make copyright law very long and very powerful? Um, so, kind of, what's what's your kind of takeaway on that from conversations you've been having recently with people? Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out over the, two, the next two years mm. and it goes into national legislation mm. because um, I think there are some positive aspects to it and I remain optimistic and you know, hopeful. I just, I'm also slightly cautious in that I think we've seen it before that when the natural, national legislation um, is enacted from, you know, uh, from a directive that that is really when an extra lobbying effort is made and mm. things can be slightly, possibly watered down or mm -hmm. transformed in a way which wasn't yeah. the original intention of the directive. Um, and so I'm intrigued to see how that is enacted and develops in, say, France or Germany. Yeah, um, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. I also look forward to see um, how it has a global impact. Mm. You know, if there's any kind of extra EU impact on filtering or mm. um, digitization of public domain works, um, just because if, if the EU market is so big in terms mm. of how that can have a broader impact on um, different policy shaping, you know, internationally, I don't know, could be, yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, because there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of focus on articles as they were in 11 and 13, now 15 and 17, um, so the press publisher rights mm. and the kind of upload filter thing. But there's a lot in there for uh, cultural heritage institutions, yeah. GLAM, mm. around preservation yeah. and sort of mandatory exceptions that are now going to be really useful. Um, and I think sometimes that gets that gets lost, well certainly right, in the mainstream right. debate it's not in yeah. there. Mm -hmm. But one of them that's in, in there is this new provision that says that the um, facsimile copies of right. two-dimensional visual works that are out of copyright cannot have a kind of a mm -hmm. copyright protection, mm -hmm. which is pretty relevant to yeah, the work absolutely. that you're doing. Mm, yeah. So is that, I mean, presumably, I mean, based on your research, Andrew, that's something that you're, you, yeah. you're pleased is, is coming in because then that you know, opens things up. Um, but how is, do you see that kind of playing out, do you think? I mean, I, personally, I don't know. I think, I think we'll wait to see kind of how it's you know nationally transposed mm. um, because I think there could be some wiggle room in there. I hope that the purpose of it remains the same. Um, but you know, there's different ways to digitize. There's different ways to use technology to make a surrogate for the original work. Um, if the original work is in the public domain, the material should remain in the public domain. Yeah. Um, but I think there there obviously can be some room to kind of 
um, maybe not within copyright, but perhaps even within contract in terms of what happens when it is made available online. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I'm understanding of institutions that can rely on uh, different revenue sources to support their operations. Mm. Um, so I wonder if we'll see a shift from copyright fees to more service-based fees, mm. uh, you know, resembling the types of fees that the library and archive sector already charge to provide copies of certain yeah. things. Um, yeah, yeah. But more so seeing that go into museums. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good Watch time to be in the EU yeah. and be looking at this topic. Yeah. Um, especially because uh, December last year we had the, the Rice Englehorn Museum case uh, where they, the German federal court held that um, these types of photographs were protected by the Article 6 other photograph protection. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll see kind of how that ends up impacting. Mm. Yeah. Digitization and is that related to the German yeah. law where they have two different levels yeah. of protection? For yeah, not everyone has that. I think there's maybe around, there's less than a dozen yeah. member states mm. um, that have the other photograph protection. Yeah, yeah. that's more equivalent to a kind of neighbouring right, almost right. more like right. sound recording. Right, kind of. yeah, related right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it might be time for us so. to um, talk a bit about Cake. I think, yes, and normally at this point we would reveal the cake. Yes. Uh, but we, we must admit, in the interests of transparency, that yes. we already have revealed we... and have eaten some cake. But there is cake left here, isn't it? It's delicious. Mm. There it's is great cake. And yeah. 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 Well, course. being in Lisbon, what else could we bring you but some of the rather lovely Pastalis de Nada? Is that how you pronounce it? You know, and this other it, one. You eat it. And this other one as well. You mean well. the Portuguese custard tart? The Portuguese the custard tart. Yes. Those. So beautifully pronounced. Yes, yes. yes. My Portuguese is, is practically fluent now, I think. Yes, yes. I think so. Yes. And we have some fresh strawberries as well. We do. Which you, you managed to buy a kilo of two days ago, didn't I you? I did, yes. Because, oh, it's yes. very nice. Look at those, those. They're only one euro eighty, aren't they? And she goes, kilo? And you're like, oh, yes. I was thinking, what a kilo of strawberries. <laughs> but nonetheless, here they are. Yeah. Yes. Um, we, what we do like to ask, though, is do you have a favourite cake? Obviously, we brought you sweet things. We, we heard a rumour that Andrea wasn't very keen on sweet things. We've got some crisps as well, if you want those. But do, if you had to force a cake down, what would be your favourite cake? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with marzipan works for me. Really? Mm. A fan of marzipan? Mm. Mm. Like a fruitcake surrounded by marzipan? Yeah, could include jam, maybe mm. not. Or a Battenberg or a Stollen. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Mm. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. We'll bear that in mind for future. Yes. Um, I, I'm going to be an old lady and say carrot cake because it's not very oh. sweet, I guess. Yeah. 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 I don't know why, I just like, if I'm going to eat something additional, yeah. I'd rather it be salty. Yes. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, the, or the deep fried loaded potato skins. Yes. Is I, that think, the... I ordered that for dessert the other night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The waiter was, he was kind of weirded out. And then I saw him go back and tell the entire kitchen because everyone's faces turned and looked at me. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because someone got sticky toffee pudding and someone got a chocolate cake. And I was like, loaded deep fried potato skins. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, we, we did once eat some potato waffles. Yes. As a main course, was it? Or as dessert? And then we covered them in sugar. Well, yeah, <laughs> when we were in Poland and we yeah. wanted the waffle and then they had the potato waffles, but they were kind of, you know... The we got proper, confused. Well, it, but it, they it, did say you could put sugar on them, but then yes. they were kind of with onion in them. 
it was a kind of <laughs> yeah. adventure. It was an adventure. It did yeah, lead it to us meeting some very interesting copyright librarians, American Indeed. ones, who were so baffled by why we were eating these savoury pancakes covered in sugar. And they had to come and ask us. So so it was good. It was very yes. fortuitous, <laughs> actually. So, yes. Nice. It worked out well. Okay, I think it's time to eat, I eat the cake or eat, not the cake. Or uh, also it's, the strawberries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so say thank you very much to our guests because we have a party to go to as well, don't yeah, we? Yeah, so. yeah, public domain yeah. party. It's hard work. Though. It's all hard work. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a very intense trip we have here. But thank you very much. Thank you for having us, thank Andrea. You. Thank you. Copyright waffle, copyright waffle, copyright waffle, alright!